I feel like my job and what I've tried to do and what Miwasan has tried to do has tried to be a balance between conservation and the practicality of development and trying to make sure that people understand what why conservation is important. And why I brought you guys to Peggy McCurcher conservation area is because this place holds something special. And as a scientist, I I I deal with practical things. And the weird part about it is every time I come to Peggy McCurcher, something weird happens. Welcome to episode 5 of YXE Underground, an original podcast focusing on people in Saskatoon who are making an impact in their communities but are flying under the radar. My name is Eric Anderson. We live in a beautiful city where nature weaves its way throughout neighbourhoods and communities, but there's no better example of nature in Saskatoon than the Mwasan Valley. Kenton Lysak knows this, and nothing would make him happier than to teach you more about the Mwasan Valley, except maybe finding butterflies with his new son Benjamin. Kenton is a senior interpreter for the Mwasan Valley Authority, and his passion for all things nature will really inspire you. He is my guest in this episode of YXE Underground. The Mawasan Valley holds a special place in my heart. When my family moved to Saskatoon from Swift Current in 2005, we would take our beagle Maddie to the Cranberry Flats, south of the city, and hike for hours and hours. The views of the South Saskatchewan River are stunning, and the rolling hills seem to melt into the horizon. When I moved back to Saskatoon four years ago, my wife and I not only took our dog Fred to the Cranberry Flats, but we really began exploring the Mawasan Valley Trail System. There are so many beautiful spots, from the bike trails near the Farmer's Market to the animals of the Northeast Swale. The Mawasan Valley Authority plays a crucial role in protecting the beauty of Saskatoon. It's also an important voice as Saskatoon's urban footprint creeps into some environmentally sensitive areas. Kenton Lysak is ready and willing to walk that tightrope. For five years, Kenton has worked as an interpreter for the MVA. He educates people of all ages about the Mwasan Valley, and he does it with a passion and sincerity that you can't help but instantly connect with. I first met Kenton working for CBC, and we've stayed in touch throughout the years. I wanted to know more about not only why he loves his job so much, but where his passion for nature comes from. Now, it took some time to get in touch with Kenton. He's a busy man, especially now because he has a newborn son named Benjamin. I mention Benjamin because he has given Kenton a new perspective on his job and the world around him. When we did connect, I asked him where we should do the interview. Kenton's first thought was Beaver Creek, but then he recommended Peggy McCurcher Conservation Area, and I am so glad he did. You will hear Kenton give a beautiful description of the area in just a few moments. You will also hear him talk about the challenges of balancing development and conservation, and at the very end of our talk, Kenton tells a story about his son Benjamin that might bring a tear to your eye. I really hope you enjoy this interview. My name is Kenton Lysak. I'm an educator and interpreter from the Miwasan River Valley here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Where we are standing is on the bank of the South Saskatchewan River in one of the most unknown conservation areas along the Miwasan Valley. 
Peggy McCurcher Conservation Area. At this moment, we're standing on one of the highest banks of the South Saskatchewan River, looking over top as it flows across. Fall leaves are changing colors. There's native prairie to the right of us with blue grama grass and fescue grass growing. There is also invasive grasses here. And that balance is what Miwasan is all about, trying to find a way to bring people out in nature while also practicing conservation. That was beautiful. <laughs> and interview done. Done. Let's call it a day. Um, you, you chose this spot specifically. Why did you want to uh, meet Janelle and I out here? I feel like my job and what I've tried to do and what Miwasan has tried to do has tried to be a balance between conservation and the practicality of development and trying to make sure that people understand what why conservation is important and why I brought you guys to Peggy McCurcher conservation area is because this place holds something special and as a scientist I, I, I deal with practical things and the weird part about it is every time I come to Peggy McCurcher something weird happens and today, for an example, before you guys came, I walked in sight and five deer were standing about five feet in front of me. And they looked at me in kind of that like Bambi-esque way where they're, they're trying to communicate with you. I felt like Frank from It's Sunny in Philadelphia with the bunny trying to communicate <laughs> with me. What are you trying to tell me? But what I love about this spot too is the idea that around us in the future, this is the biggest expansion area for the city of Saskatoon in the next 30 years. As we grow to half a million people, this is where the bulk of people are coming in, or new residential areas coming in. And this place here, along with places like the Northeast Swale and Saskatoon Natural Grasslands and uh, all these other conservation areas around the spot, are going to come under extreme pressure. That's what I felt my role is, is to try to balance this and stand on that tightrope, just like Miwasan has been doing for the last 30, 40 years. Okay, so that that's a really, that's a tough tightrope to to walk on right now because there, there is, you know, just driving up here now, Kenton, there is so much development happening here. And and as someone who lives on the south side of town, I, I don't make it up here that often. And I was I was blown away. Uh, by how much development is happening up here. So how on earth do you personally walk this tightrope? <laughs> it's a very good question. I think that the average person can understand the importance of nature. It's not something difficult to grasp. If you're walking out with your grandparents and you see a hummingbird at their hummingbird feeder, you have this intimate connection. But nature isn't something that you're able just to read in a book, you have to constantly go outside and experience it. So the idea of experiential education and all these things that when we're young, grabbing that earthworm and sticking it in our mouth and our parents saying, get it out, but leaving it in there for that extra second just to taste what it's like. Those little parts amount to us experiencing and getting involved in really developing a relationship with nature. That tightrope is me constantly trying to remind people to step outside your door and start to get comfortable with that idea again. As adults, it's something for us easily just to pass by and say, 
let's walk around the Miwasan Trail and see the sunshine. But no, it's, it's much more than that. And there's been countless studies that indicate if you go outside in nature, you're not just getting a basic physiological health. You're getting an emotional reaction. You're getting so much more from that. It's tough to define right now, I'll grant you that, but I can say the difference is night and day from us doing this interview, say, right now versus us doing it in a building. No, no kidding. I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, you, you talk about educating people. Uh, the Do people in, in our city right now, are do they... Do they have the open minds? Are they open to what you are and what Miwasan is 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 teaching? Is trying to educate in in terms of finding that balance between expansion and and urban life and and preserving and and enjoying the 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 beautiful nature that we have here. In 2018, I think we're starting to see a revival of conservation and the concepts of conservation in general. It used to be that people viewed protecting areas like preservation, which the distinction to me is preservation is keep that area as best as you can isolated from change and make it so that not a lot of things are affecting it or keep it uh, bare minimum, try to keep it so not a lot of things are disturbing it. And what we have learned over time is that if we are going to protect these places that we hold so dear in our hearts, we have to mimic what the environment normally did, what the ecosystem normally would interact with. And I think that that not only goes hand in hand with conservation in general, but also with how we as humans perceive the natural world around us. Gone out of the days of us saying, this is one place and Cranberry Flats or Beaver Creek is an isolated area. We now have to realize that in order to keep these places going and to keep the ecological integrity of these sites, we have to connect with them. We have to bring in bird species into our backyards. We have to set up bumblebee areas that bumblebees feel free to explore our areas and have native plants that allow them to gather here. But we also have to develop strong policies, even laws to a point, that allow people the freedom to make sure that nature can be incorporated in their daily lives. It's a challenge. And that's why Miwasan was created in the 70s, was it was trying, Mori, Raymond Moriyama was trying to find a way to make sure that nature can be incorporated back into the daily lives of every resident of the city of Saskatoon. And even though we might have strayed at times away from that, that at its core is what Miwasan is about. Does the average day people or person in Saskatoon realize that? I think they, they can easily grasp the concept. It's not difficult at all. The challenge is reminding them of why that need for conservation is so essential for our daily happiness in life. It's a difficult, challenging thing. How do you know when you are succeeding? How do you know when, you, when you've had a good day? <laughs> You're just... It's a good one. <laughs> well, the reason why I'm kind of giggling is, is there's all these really intense rubrics of measuring things, right? And so there's 
a lot of analytical ways of saying, okay, how is a person perceiving success in regards to conservation, ecology, the natural world around them? And we've seen tides shift. Right now, the tide is in ecosystem services. And it's a concept that basically says we can tell if more individuals are involved with the conservation of an area, it's usually because we're identifying things that humans benefit from those ecosystems. So for an example, the more pollinators we have at the Northeast Swale, the more that they're going into areas like Aspen Ridge, Evergreen, Silver Springs, and they are the first gardens to be pollinated because of this large amount of solitary bees and bumblebees that are coming in and pollinating their yards and returning back to the Northeast Swale in order to develop family systems and things like that. So in order to determine success, it can be really difficult because how do you place a monetary value on that? How do you say there's hundreds of thousands of bees, each of them are pollinating one cucumber flower? Okay, so now let's factor out how many cucumber flowers are in Silver Springs area. Impossible. The way to quantify it for me is very qualitative. It's seeing the kids smiling. It's seen when we go out to Beaver Creek and I say, okay, we've been on the path for now a half an hour. Go off and explore. And when I started my career, this was a concept that they could easily grasp. Now, the reaction from young students is complete flabbergasting. I don't think that's a word, but I'm just going to use it because they look at me stunned. How in the world do you expect us to just go running around and, and taking a look and picking up bones and seeing what that plant smells like? Yeah, we do. <laughs> how, how does that make you feel that they're flabbergasted? I grew up on a farm, small town Yorkton. So for me, there wasn't a lot of interesting things in life to do. So I got out in nature and I experienced it. When I see my childhood slowly disappearing in the average everyday resident or child in Saskatoon, that to me really stresses that we need to solve that disconnect. Uh, so for me to determine success, it's really difficult to do it. I can survey teachers, I can survey people and say, do you like what Miwasan is doing? Do you like the education programs we're doing? Do you like that this natural world has something to offer you in the city of Saskatoon? And usually we're gonna get yeses. The problem is, is we have to change the discussion so that it's not something that's in the background anymore. It's the forefront reason why the city of Saskatoon is as beautiful as it is. The River Valley is the, one of the first places that tourists go to. It's the first place that connects them to the city of Saskatoon. And if you go to places like Budapest or other areas in Europe, you'll find sites like our River Valley that have concrete. They're concrete right up to the river. And that's such a sad concept to me, although they've had to do it for other reasons development-wise. But for me... If we're voted, if the river is voted as one of the top attractions in the city of Saskatoon, and if thousands of people are using the Miwasan uh, uh, sites on a daily basis, to me that says that we are get, that is a success in some respect. 
qualitatively, it's very difficult to define. You you mentioned that you grew up on a farm, so uh, near near Yorkton, outside of Yorkton. Yeah, just outside of Yorkton in Theodore, Saskatchewan. Oh, there we go. How how did you? Um, because I I should tell people that I you and I first connected um, through a couple of ways. One, uh, my wife. And my dog and I would often go out to Cranberry, and we still do, go out to Cranberry Flats all the time. We post pictures um, because we love it out there. And then when I worked at CBC, you and I met through that way as well because you would be on with uh, the lovely Alicia Gravinsky. Um, but I don't I, – I was very curious how how your passion for nature – like where, where, where did that come from? How did it, how did it originate? Growing up on a farm – is definitely one of the major reasons why I got involved in natural education and just being interested in nature in general. Just going outside and hearing nothing or looking at the star systems and trying to figure out what's what, that to me connected me with the natural world so strongly. But to be completely honest with you, Eric, I had no idea what the natural world had to offer me until I got to university. I was too busy getting really involved in music and drama and I was going to go to the University of British Columbia where I got accepted into the musical theater. Really? Uh, yes. And for some reason, and I, I can kind of remember what it was, I came back to Saskatoon and I was starting my first year of university and I remember walking in the city of Saskatoon and I remember walking along the Miwasan Trail. And I remember it was coming close to the evening and distinctly I remember hearing some coyotes. And coyotes have a really good and bad stigma about them. Obviously they're essential because they're a predator that's important. But when most people think about coyotes, they think of dog attacks and they think of coyotes being an invasive species in Vancouver and in areas like that. And I remember having this thought where I was thinking, I grew up on this farm where coyotes to me were fascinating, nothing we were scared of. We would ride our quads all around and we see them all the time. But when that coyote was calling, I remember individuals on the Miwasan Trail kind of getting freaked out and disturbed about it. It was at that point where I started to realize I really, really want to try to bridge the gap between what's true and what's not true in regards to the natural world around us. And after that, I took a first year of sciences at the University of Saskatchewan, and I fell in love with my profs who were talking about these unbelievable concepts, how the first form of life start as a unicellular organism and how you would build up to a multicellular creature fascinated me. This evolution was, was brilliant and it's something I was never taught in elementary school. So these concepts, which probably a lot of people gain now in their normal elementary school education, I was new to. And when it came to Saskatoon, I had a bunch of people take me under their wing. People like Melanie Elliott at the University of Saskatchewan who's doing ecology camp for kids. This is a lady who, for the last basically 40 years, has dedicated her life to getting kids out in nature. 
And I was lucky enough to meet her through places like the Nature Saskatchewan and Saskatoon Nature Society. And I actually applied for a job at a college camp for kids. And when Melanie took me under her wing, she opened this door of, wow, there's all these places across Saskatoon that exist that I never even dreamed about. My first introduction was to Saskatoon Natural Grasslands. It's 34 acres. It's, 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 it's nothing. It's a small piece that exists in our city of once that was of fescue grasslands. One of the most endangered ecosystems in the world. And it's in our city today. It exists right here. And when Melanie started talking to me about why this place was so important... What was evident is a passion kind of lit inside of me to try to get people out there, try to get people to realize we found mammoth bones. We found mammoth teeth in the city of Saskatoon. We're actually right beside it. The Riddell site, we passed when we came out here. It's full of Ice Age creatures. How come no one knows about this? Did that... Were you surprised at yourself in terms of the the passion that was that was lit when when all this ha- happened? Was it like, oh man, like I didn't I didn't see this happening at all? You're smiling right now. <laughs> yeah, because I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I never really thought about the natural world in the way that I do today. It took that awakening. It took those moments. And those intimate times being in the grasslands or along the Miwasan Trail to really wake me up. And that brings its the, the, the challenge with my job is I can't make you realize how important Peggy McCurcher area or Beaver Creek is if we're just sitting in an office building. I have to get you outside here. I have to get that caterpillar on your hand. I have to get that butterfly flying past you or that metal lark singing in order to connect you with that place. But if I do, you're, you're going to remember it forever. That is a challenging concept, but one I've, I've, I've always been passionate about since coming into university. So I, I, I guess to me, what Melanie Elliott did is she awakened that passion And next thing you know, I started meeting people like Barb Hanbidge from Ducks Unlimited or like Stan Shattuck from Saskatoon Nature Society. This guy that can literally just just stand here and any sound that a bird makes, he instantly knows what it is. Or these people who are able to take a net into the pond and whatever comes out, they're able to identify it pretty quickly. Guys like Scott Halpin from the University of Saskatchewan, they're just so talented. And so, uh, to me, seeing that level of whatever you're going to call it, expertise, I like to call it nerdiness because I was a big Dungeons and Dragons guy. And to me, there's not a lot of difference between memorizing the monster manual and memorizing the invertebrate species of the Northeast Whale. (laughs) So, for me... That was exciting. It was a new challenge. It was interesting. But I can imagine artists like musicians feel the same way when they're looking at a new piece by Tchaikovsky and they they want to transpose it an extra key up or something like that. It's a challenge, right? 
But those people I have to credit for awakening that passion in me. What did your friends and, and family think when you when you went down this path as opposed to, like you said, musical theater and you're into music and, and drama and then all of a sudden you're memorizing the invertebrates of the Northeast soil? What, what did they think? I'm supposed to be a farmer, Eric. It was, it was a little bit of a shock, I can imagine at points, but I'm one of those kids that had amazing parents. And whatever I did, whether it was wanting to go to UBC to do musical theater, or thinking about environmental law, or thinking about just dropping everything and playing a bunch of pot and pans on Broadway, they were always supportive and I have no idea how they were that supportive. As a new dad, that's something that I'm going to have to learn and I'm really excited to. But you parents out there who are able to do that, wow, good job being so supportive of your kids. <laughs> you, you mentioned being a new dad. And so I, we should tell people like we, it, it took us, it, I feel guilty because I, I really wanted to interview you and it was hard to get in touch with you. And then one day I went to the Miwasan head office and I got to meet the new CEO and she's lovely. And then I, said, I felt like I ratted you out. I was like, you know, I've been trying to get a hold of Kenton and, uh, and I just can't. And then she said, well, he's a new dad. So congratulations. What, <laughs> what has fatherhood been like? And has it, has it changed you as, as, a, as a professional in terms of your job? Hmm. I guess I should first just acknowledge the fact that if anyone listens to this that knows me, they're all going to have a smile on their face and nod at the fact that Kenton's tough to get a hold of, <laughs> <laughs> which is definitely true. But I'm kind of like one of those barefooted bushmen where I disappear into this land of trying to care too much about this environment and trying to connect people with it. But when you got me, you got me. And I will pay attention fully and be invested in this conversation. That to me has been the biggest challenge of parenting is to flip a switch in your brain and say, okay, you cared about and still care about all of these huge concepts from climate change to the Nature City Festival in Saskatoon, all of these really interesting things. But all of a sudden you have this life in your hands and you want to dedicate as much as you can to it, but yet you're so avidly passionate about all this other stuff, it can be a really difficult switch to flip. I'm still in the learning process. But what I can say is by incorporating my son Benjamin in the things I'm passionate about, it has been extremely rewarding. And the best way I can think of it is we just came back from Toronto, hence the bags under my eyes and the highly jet-lagged Tom Waits voice here. And what I found when we went to Toronto is we were there right during monarch butterfly season. So it happened to be in one of the great lakes where we were at. We were situated right along the lake into a cabin kind of like area that had planted milkweed. 
So we're hanging out there, and all of a sudden I see about five monarch butterflies fly past me and land on this milkweed. And I see, look over at my son, and Benjamin watches the butterflies drift past, and he starts smacking his legs like a grouse in reproductive times, excited about the idea of these butterflies flying past. And that's when I knew my genes are somewhere in that offspring of mine, <laughs> to say it from a highly scientific point of view. And I led Ben up to the monarch butterflies thinking, okay, is this going to be one of those moments where we learn squishing a butterfly in your hand is not the best thing for either of you. And what we found out was that Ben seems to be very gentle in nature. And a butterfly right out of a movie landed on his nose and he went cross-eyed looking at it. Yeah, I had a couple tears <laughs> because it was such an amazing moment. I plan on bringing Ben to the swale. I plan on bringing Ben in the moments that I need him the most. He is now the reason that I continue to fight, that I continue to educate, and that I continue to try to advance towards getting people to realize how important nature is. He's now become my muse. So I like it. I think it's a good thing. I think that's a really nice way to, to end this conversation. And I think Ben's going to be very, very proud of his dad when he grows up. Thank you so much for your time. And thanks for, uh, thanks for standing still long enough to, uh, to be interviewed. Thanks, Eric. It's been a pleasure. You are the man, Kenton. My thanks to Kenton Lysak from the Muwasan Valley Authority for taking me to a really beautiful part of the city and sharing his love of nature. If you want to learn more about the MVA, head on over to miwasan.com and go discover its trails and parks for yourself. This has been episode five of YXE Underground. Thank you for listening. My name is Eric Anderson. I host and produce the show. If you know of someone doing something really great here in Saskatoon who is flying under the radar, please let me know. You can send me an email, ericandersonyxe at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, I want to give a big thank you to Janelle Wallace. She was there on site snapping photos of Kenton and myself. And the, the photos are just spectacular. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I also want to thank my cousin Andrew for doing the original theme for the podcast. I want to thank David Hutton and the good folks at CBC Saskatoon for allowing me to record my sweet, sweet voice uh, in their studios here in Saskatoon. David, thank you. I also want to thank the good folks at Danger Dynamite. And Danger Dynamite uh, were kind enough to create my website, and they did a spectacular job. So uh, to all the good crew at Danger Dynamite, thank you so much. I also want to thank my wife, Jennifer, and my dog, Fred, uh, for being so patient with me and for simply being the best. And before I go, I would like to acknowledge that this interview was recorded on Treaty 6 territory in the traditional homeland of the Métis.
The next episode of YXE Underground will drop in November, and it's going to be a great one. It features an interview with local chef Scotty Dix. And Scotty is doing some amazing things in the food scene here in Saskatoon. And his insights not only into restaurant life, but the role that food plays in our culture. It's really fascinating. So I really think you will enjoy that episode. My name is Eric Anderson. This has been episode five of YXE Underground. You can find more episodes online at yxeunderground.com. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.